0: Big Think, a brand new podcast from Bath University presented by me, Sam Bradley. Today on the show we'll be talking to Dr. Ben Bowman from the Department of Politics, Languages and International Studies about the election, a perceived bias towards liberal ideas in higher education and general UK politics. Thanks for joining us Ben. It's Well we're here to talk about politics obviously Yeah. and first of all what a peculiar election in terms of everything in terms of how wrong the polls were, right through to the perceived losers being winners. Just give us a, as, as quick capsule as you can, your thoughts on this election.
1: Britain is a weird place, you know, and uh, sometimes I think we underestimate the extent to which Britain, British people kind of like to put two fingers up mm-hmm. and say, you know what, no, we're not going with it. And um, I w- was a bartender for a long time, uh, downtown in Bath, I worked at the Raven. Great pub, uh, great place to work, actually. And um, uh, and to me, I mean, now I work in young people's politics, and people are always asking me, why don't young people do politics? Why are they so apathetic and blah blah And I say, well, you know what? I used to meet people every day uh, down there, or every night, usually. It didn't matter how old they were. Uh, if you ask them about politics or politicians, they'd say, don't like them, don't trust them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, they're a shower of bleep, and they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, they live in London. They don't care about the things that we care about. And they definitely don't care about us. Yeah. But the difference is that around the age of 30 or 40, actually, I think, there's a change in the way that people do politics.
0: Okay.
1: For older generations, maybe they don't trust the politician. Maybe they don't like them. They don't think that they care about them. They'll still vote reluctantly, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. For uh, someone that they don't. Necessarily,
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always talk about shy voters, you know, shy Tories or whatever. Yeah. But uh, we need to talk a lot more about reluctant voters mm-hmm. and people who, who basically don't like the whole thing but will still turn out and vote. And then on the younger side of that, you see people who kind of, you know, they're Thatcher's children.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the whole idea that kind of people had in the 1980s and 90s and some people still linger on with it is that that meant that they didn't believe in society. They don't care about what's going on. They're all locked up on their... On their own, you know, they're alienated. But what I think we see is actually people who grew up saw Thatcher and John Major and Tony Blair in charge. Quite frankly, people like you and I Mm -hmm. have a different perception of how politics works. They're used to the Iraq War. They're used to the tuition fee scandal, expenses scandal, Mm -hmm. uh, and things like that. And they think, you know what? Between somebody I don't trust and I don't like and uh, not voting... Hell, I pick none of the above every time. Yeah, um, and I think in this election, we see some really, really interesting things that, in retrospect, we'll have to kind of think a lot about and talk to a lot of people to try and get into it. First of all, did a lot of those people who would usually say, "Hell no, I'm not voting." Yeah, turn out to vote for Jeremy Corbyn.
0: Because there was a big thing on the part of Labour was, and a lot. Of, I know that social media is an echo chamber for yeah. sure. and I imagine the younger you get, the more it is because you're only sort of your only friends, with people you agree with, right? So it a lot be. of yeah, yeah, a lot of the people on my news feed were just saying vote. Yeah. Just just go out and vote. Make sure whatever you have to say is heard. Yeah. So I guess that was a big because it had quite a high turnout, didn't it, this election?
1: Well, yeah. It was, uh, well. It looks like record breaking uh, in recent years. You know, not forever because people used to turn out to vote a lot. Yeah, Um, but high anyway. Certainly very high for young people. It looks like, uh, by all accounts, that we're going to see um, uh, a majority turnout for the vote among eighteen to twenty-four year olds for the first time since the nineties. You know, uh, that'd be ninety-seven. Would that be yeah? uh, Nineteen ninety-seven was the last time we had a majority of young people who voted. That's uh, fifty-one percent was Uh back then. And I've um, I got written down right here.
0: See, I do prepare. He does have notes. Yeah, me? I do. That's what you can hear, as um, notes.
1: Although Sky News said 66.4% of 18 to 24-year-olds voted. Uh, YouGov said 57%. In mm-hmm. either case, that's a big change. That's it's still a pretty, pretty change. good. Because um, last time out, 2015, I think it was 44%.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but the thing to remember there is that it's not just about saying the vote we've had all sorts of slogans and and campaigns saying oh vote you know just vote doesn't matter who you vote for for decades and it's never worked mm. and academics like me uh, i work in young people's politics and do a lot of research and i'm forever telling people it's not going to work it's patronizing frankly yeah what you have here is also a policy platform that people voted for and it is specifically quite a left-wing one
0: yeah it's um the Tories seem to be a really hard sell to young people. Yes. Yeah. Again, mm. as far as I'm speaking only as, as far as I can see from the news and social media, I think a lot of people get caught up in that and assume maybe that's what happened with the Brexit vote assumed that, you know, there's no way we could possibly leave. Yeah. Well, if you don't go out and vote, you know, as, as young people, I don't think not enough young people did vote in the Brexit for all the. the, the the tirades about you must have your voice heard. I don't think the Brexit vote was.
1: How many young people do you think voted in the referendum?
0: In the referendum, I would yeah. put it at like of the, like the bracket of 18, the to, now. Yeah, to 24. eighteen to twenty four. I would 24. say I would say less than fifty percent. I would say less than forty percent, maybe thirty percent.
1: No, the best guess we've got is around two thirds, about 66%. Really, and the funny oh, right. thing about that is, um, uh, people remember a very particular piece of, and the American in me is going to come out fake news which yeah. was a poll um, result that Sky Data put out. It was the first figure out after the referendum. They got out so quickly with it. Uh-oh. And it said 39% of young people voted. But it wasn't based on the referendum. It wasn't based on an exit poll. It wasn't even based on a poll for the referendum. It was based on a, a poll held before the general election of 2015. Wow. And what they did was they looked through the data until they saw how many young people said they would definitely vote in 2015. And they said, well... There was 39% of them said they would definitely vote back then, right. so we'll just call it that. But it has been so powerful, that single tweet, frankly, yeah. has been so powerful. I went to a school visit, I do school visits all the time. Yeah. Went to a school visit down in Salisbury, um, talking about young people's politics was the first question from a sick former in the, in the audience why did only 39% of young people vote? No way. And to say, fake news, you know? Because, fake news, um, man. Since then, we've got some really interesting projects. Got a big project, I think it was from LSE, mm-hmm. um, looking at the young people's vote from the referendum. Is that the London School
0: of Economics? Economics, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Um, it's just that's just me putting letters to words that I know yeah, there, for them, <laughs> it, like linguistics.
1: <laughs> but the thing that's going on there is that you have on two sides, and it's interesting. You say it's hard to talk a young person into voting Tory um, because you've got two different prejudice is there no offense yeah uh, that people get confirmation for so on the one side people say young people don't vote and then if you see even a completely spurious and obviously wrong poll like 39% of young people voted in the referendum yeah. g- like are we serious you really yeah. think that few people like we get 44% of young hey people Okay, man, I stupid enough. No, it's <laughs> not your fault, because every every time you turn on the TV, you look yeah. on the, the, the newspaper, you go online, everybody's always telling you, young people, you've got to rock the vote. Uh, you don't do it. Young people don't vote. They just bang it into you, and then things like that, you get a confirmation bias, mm-hmm. and you think oh, yeah, right, well, young people don't vote because they don't care, and so I buy it, you know? So if young people... But have... on the other side... Yeah, you go. ...you get that kind of um, confirmation bias in talking about young people as inherently uh, left-wing or Labour voters or Green voters, in, or, you know, in Bath here, Lib Dem voters. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a little bit dangerous, too. Um, I mean, sure. young people, like everybody else, are diverse. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you get young women, young men. We don't talk enough about diversity within young women, young people... As a as a group, um, but yeah. Anyway, so uh, so on the one hand, we got to we got to look at those things and, and look at them carefully. But on the other hand, I think we've got to do a better job uh, as people like you and I sitting in a university, For sure. talking to people about
0: those assumptions. Uh, so let's assume then that now, because we know that the numbers back up, the young people yeah. do vote. Why yeah. do we think the young person's vote has had such a sudden impact? Because the young people, mm-hmm. by and large. Again, speaking from the echo chamber of my Facebook page and my Twitter feed, (laughs) young people, as far as I can tell, wanted us to stay in the EU. Yeah, it's fair to say. But we left. And now suddenly, you know, it seems that they wanted Jeremy Corbyn just as much as they wanted us to stay in the EU. But that said, the the leap towards uh, a young vote having a dramatic swing in the election has been made suddenly very obvious... Do you know what I mean? It's s- yeah. suddenly that the young ma- the young vote does matter and Corbyn is Flavor of the Month and what young people want seems to be Flavor of the Month. Why did that not happen with the Remain vote? Um, and why has that happened with the last
1: general election? Boy, I think if I knew the definitive answer to that, uh, I'd be a very rich person. <laughs> um, the, uh, the thing that strikes me is that you had two very different campaigns going yeah. on. Um, the EU referendum campaign was... Pale, male, and stale. I mean, we're an all-male panel here, yeah, we are, uh, which is a problem. Um, but there's two of us, I suppose. I mean, it would be. I I hope that you'll have um, women who have more expertise than I do mm-hmm. uh, sitting right here in this chair, for sure. In future, um, one of the things that mark was remarkable. I mean, remarkable about the EU referendum campaign was that it was led almost, almost from pillar to post by elderly white men. On both sides, um, um, you saw very little voice from young people, very little yeah, involvement from young people, mm. and you also had what um, what I would call a fi- false binary, because there's such there was such complexity in what was going on and, and such richness in the different things that you could choose, but you only had yes or no, you only had leave and remain. Yeah. So for um, for all that we know about young people's politics, and again, young people are diverse like the rest of us. For all that we know about it, the best thing we can say is that young people are, are more can-do. They like DIY politics. They like mm-hmm. to see a, a clear outcome in their everyday lives. They, they prefer that. That's something that we can say about young people today uh, for all sorts of different reasons. That would take more than an hour to talk about. You can read my <laughs> PhD. But, um, but the EU referendum, whether you agree with the result or not, was, was presented a really simple binary choice yeah for a very complex issue for sure um they said well you can leave or you can remain well what do you think if that how does that involve different types of economic relationship uh, different are you going to keep the funding for erasmus bloody blah yeah, yeah, right yeah. There, there was nothing in it there was no richness yeah. in it
0: um is it right to say i mean it was presented as that binary you you either want to leave or you remain but i think jeremy corbyn I don't think he was too up for staying in the EU because he didn't really put a dog into that fight. Um and mm, yeah. it, that made it harder to to brand it a left or right choice, you know. If you if it was almost if at one point it was almost if what, well, you know, not everyone that votes leave will be a racist, but every racist will vote leave. It was very black and white the way mm. it was put to us.
1: It sure was. And um and in a way it was again, familiar to me as an American, it was polarizing yeah. on um on a kind of social or cultural level. It was not so much about how you perceived the EU as an institution because that would include that would require um a rich sort of set of options. Yeah you know, some people would prefer the EU to be um, to be loose some people would prefer frankly a federal system yeah um, uh, and ever closer union you know uh-huh. but uh, but without that richness it just kind of boiled down to whether you like the EU or not and that's a cultural I don't phrase, think a lot it? of
0: people have an opinion on the EU because
1: yeah. I never saw well, I never
0: heard anybody talking about it at least no one my age talking about it right up until they were going to take it away. It's a funny
1: one. Um, I mean, it's not like you go to France uh, and you see European flags all over the place. It's quite clear when things have been funded by the EU. Yeah. When you look at Cornwall and the amount of EU funding that they get as a region, people in Cornwall get, or farmers get, yeah. uh, in terms of subsidy, um, I mean, on the one hand, the EU has done a very poor job of, of, of explaining that that's how much cash goes in, but it clearly hasn't affected people, to the yeah. extent that they kind of, they say, well, you know, I, I, I can believe in this and go for it. Yeah. The, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something about that. Yeah.
0: It, now. it wasn't very obvious, was it, what the benefits of the EU were.
1: In the referendum?
0: Yeah.
1: No, I mean, we've had decades and decades where a lot of people have kind of, um, I remember what I was going to say, I'm going to say it in a minute. Cool. Uh, where people have, and this is politicians and the media, Really yeah. have blamed things going wrong on the EU. It's been a very easy scapegoat to have migrants and yeah.
0: migration. Well, we've got a real
1: difficult um, politics around migration at the moment, um, and a lot of um, phobia, uh, which is unfounded, in a lot of poor reporting of data. Yeah. Um. I was going to say because you said Jeremy Corbyn wasn't um very pro EU, and that mm-hmm. leaves Labour in a tough position. Uh, Labour in a tough position on that one. In two ways the first one is the eu is not a very left-wing institution and after the eu referendum i'm sure there are people who would be really angry at me for saying that because yeah. i should be you know staking the case for remain and and so on but it really isn't and um one example is uh i believe unless i'm very much mistaken the eu requires free market access to um things like rail yeah. uh, industry mm-hmm. and so if you want to nationalize the rail service which is what um Labour are talking about doing, yeah. uh, and which is you know it's a quite popular position in the UK. A lot of people think we should have a nationalised rail system. Um, I'm not sure that the EU would allow that. No. Not to, I mean, it, it can't be a state monopoly. It's a free market system the EU, uh, it's not. Um, uh, I mean, uh, until you get into the sort of democratic deficit. See, thing, I think so. that
0: I I think he played it relatively well because he's been considered the win and loser of this election, mm. and which shows that he didn't tank it when, you know, the Brexit referendum came a knocking. Yeah. I think, I mean, not to get too house of cards on this, but I'm I'm all up for believing that he didn't really commit to any one side because he knows if he gets into power and he wants to pass the kind of laws that he wants to pass and make the kind of reforms he wants to make... He yeah. could possibly be better off without too much of a hand on his shoulder from the EU, saying, as you just said, well, mm, we're not going to do that. We, well, we don't think you should.
1: I you take know. your House of the Cards and I replace it with Match of the Day. Right? No, because right after the EU referendum, there was. Um, because
0: pop culture. <laughs> in, no, well,
1: no, no, I'm serious. I'm deadly serious. In League Two, there was a match between Bristol Rovers and uh-huh. Port Vale. The country's um, most remained constituency mm-hmm. is where Bristol Rovers is. And the country's strongest for leave was Port Vale. A uh, Bristol Rovers one um, But the... Uh, uh, come on. <laughs> you <got>
0: up the <laughs> gas.
1: Um, but they, um, uh, they were both Labour seats.
0: Right. And
1: so this divide that that... Um, that you saw in British politics that, that divide that a lot of people talked about polarisation, bringing it back to the election, that yeah. divide that I think the Conservative Party said, this is the way we destroy Labour, yeah. because if this schism goes straight through Labour, yeah. we make sure everybody who voted Leave uh, votes for us, uh, and we'll get all those Labour seats, particularly mm-hmm. in the Northeast and the Midlands um, that that schism went straight through the Labour Party, there was nothing that the Labour Party could do about that that was a new feature of British politics.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: what to me was really interesting and what I think when we look back on it in the fullness of time, what will turn out to be the real interest and the real surprise in this election is the way that that division was not the division by which people voted. No. And a lot of the assumptions. So one assumption being all people who voted for UKIP would vote for the Conservatives. Yeah. Didn't look like it. Not Doesn't at look all. look like that happened. Not at all. Uh, not really sure why did they vote for Corbyn because he's anti-establishment. Uh, were they just not latent conservative voters the way that so many experts thought they did? I mean, it was a horrible wasn't it?
0: switch, wasn't it, during the um, the referendum? Oh, I shouldn't use sorry conjecture. A it was. It seemed that the the working class vote, who was mm. typically Labour, because that's what Labour is. You know, mm. the party of the working people and whatever else the the massive air quotes, lower classes. I think the Conservatives classes.
1: call themselves the party of the working class too, you don't think? Do they? Well, cool, okay. the way UKIP votes.
0: But all of a sudden UKIP was on the rise and sort of made that working class vote a mm. right-wing vote. So I think that's why people thought mm. perhaps anyone that had been right-wing enough to vote UKIP would possibly drip back into the Conservative. Yeah. Because I remember looking at the election... The predictions and thinking, well, yeah, where are Labour going to pick up those seats from? Because, mm. like, no one could see UKIP falling back into Labour, but it did yeah. in a few seats, I think. It, I mean,
1: it. UKIP only ever had one seat, and he was a, mm. a defector from the Conservatives in many ways, so <laughs> it may be that British people are a lot smarter than people give them credit for, and oh, the, reason that. That, the reason that UKIP didn't get any seats was because, except in uh, council elections, lower order, yeah. uh, and European elections that that aren't respected as much as as parliamentary elections, general mm-hmm. elections, um, that they might have just sort of fancied UKIP for the leave vote and that now that it's over it's back to back to square one, you know, yeah. dispense with them. Um the the thing that that really stood out as a divide is the difference between old and young. And um and what really, really is interesting about it is that that's not about 18 to 24-year-olds. If you look on um, so the biggest set of um, data that we have post-election, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. History's going so fast, it feels like we've squeezed a couple <laughs> of months in. But um, it wasn't very long ago. Uh, the biggest set of data, I think, is the YouGov one. Yeah. And on the YouGov one, the age at which there's a tipping point If you're older than that, you probably vote Conservative. If you're younger, you probably vote Labour. Mm -hmm. It's 47.
0: If you're 47, you're still a young voter, according to you, Gov.
1: I mean, if that's the division,
0: yeah. If you're going to
1: say young voters are voters who vote Labour, you're talking 47 and under. which is not great if you're a Conservative. No, exactly, and that uh, should have you quaking in your boots. If you're a Conservative... um, if you're a member of the party or you're a supporter of the Conservatives, yeah. if Labour have that successfully claimed a new division, sure. it's also kind of wild that the Conservatives still got a majority. Frankly, yeah. if it's that division, yeah. um, and I think that uh, it goes to show how um, how imbalanced uh, electoral turnout is, mm-hmm. um, and it will be remains to be seen when we have a next election whether Labour can either maintain that high turnout among yeah. young voters, yeah. under 47, <laughs> or whether they can push harder and go higher.
0: Well, there's always the, the there's always the chance that they maybe miss a shot. Mm. You know, this was the time, you know, the Tories were getting a, a real stick in, you know, the papers that weren't owned by the right people, and they were... Who were they? Well, who were they indeed? The Conservatives had... Quite a bit of negative press. Again, maybe yeah. I'm talking beyond the echo chamber of social media, mm-hmm. but it seems to me that I think it would the Labour Party would struggle to maybe build up this momentum. If you'll mm-hmm. forgive the pun again, uh,
1: I disagree. And the reason I disagree is That's because good. That's why fun, you're it's here. It's one of those assumptions that um, before the election everybody believed, and then as it as it wore on, uh, they changed their minds. But they they changed their minds led by the polls. So in the the outset, everybody looked at the opinion polls and it showed a great lead for the Conservatives, like 20, I think it was 20 points at one point. And they said, oh, the Conservatives are having an excellent um, campaign. Everybody loves Theresa May. She's really strong. She's really stable. Uh, We just had over heels for her. We're going to see 100 seats or more majority for the Conservative Party. Right. And it was only once those opinion polls started to come back even, and I think this, even at the point of the election, there was still an average lead across um, the main pollsters in the UK of 7% to the uh, Tories. Yeah. I mean, the Tories still had a healthy lead in the polls. Yeah. It was only then that people started saying, well, actually the Conservative campaign has been pretty bad and Labour and Jeremy Corbyn turn out to be a party that has responded to them very well. And uh, Corbyn is a leader that people kind of fancy. Mm-hmm. And they like their manifesto uh, and so on. Um, and it was only really after the election yeah or after that exit poll that people say where was the worst conservative campaign ever but um, Mm I'm 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 hesitant to 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 take that analysis and repeat it and say well you know it was just an awful campaign but you know next time they'll come out and it will be a good campaign again there's something different going on here that that
0: challenges that assumption see now I just need you to clear up one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, and that's you It's going to be to, how polls work. No, no, not. To, I mean, well, maybe because I just realised <laughs> as soon as you asked, I was like, yeah, I actually don't know. But the first, right, the first question is, isn't there supposed to be a massive re-carving up of where the constituencies fall? There is yeah. a proper, more educated name for it, but that is essentially Re- it, isn't it?
1: Well, in the U.S., we call it redistricting, and yeah. the, and if you um if you are being critical of it, you'd call it gerrymandering. Um, which means what where um well for instance we live in bath right mm-hmm. uh, well you live in bath i live in bradford and avon mm-hmm. um and then just over the side there is northeast somerset uh-huh. which is jacob Mark's constituency mm-hmm. um bath is a lib dem tory battleground mm-hmm. now yeah lib dem's got it this election now yeah. which is something we could talk about if you mm-hmm. want to talk about bath uh, bath and northeast somerset no northeast somerset sorry very conservative. Yeah. So if you're uh, conservative and you're not, I mean, let's say you want to win elections by by these means. Yeah. It would be very tempting if you could get it through Parliament to lop off a couple of lumps of Jacob Reeves Marx
0: constituency. And put them into Bath, And get a bit blue.
1: Right. Uh, and oh, right. on the other side, um, if you're Labour, you might fancy doing that, redistricting, um, say, a student town to concentrate the student votes within it. Yeah. Um, something Maybe. like that. Uh, we see that all the time in the States, and it, I mean, it's bad. That is but shady. But in the US, it's awful. My, um, when I lived in Virginia, my constituency, uh, sorry, my congressional district, mm-hmm. you could probably have driven across it in half an hour, or up to the other end of it over about three and a half hours. There's just one long stripe. Just this one strip of, you know. <laughs> was it red or was it blue? Uh, I can't remember who our um, congressperson was. I think we had a Democrat. Nice. So, yeah
0: see I just said nice and that brings me into my next question okay. I think that and this may may or may not be true but I think there's a definite liberal bias within higher education within all education actually I think that a lot of people and I, and I hear this a lot from people on the right you yeah. know I sort of try and be friends with on Facebook because I think it's good to have you know everyone yeah. invited to the party but you, the more you look at these sort of you know these alt right YouTube channels yeah. and look at some of the data they put forward and some of the anecdotal data which obviously isn't that reliable. Would yeah. you say there's anything to that? Because everyone I've certainly met in higher education seems to be of liberal leaning, which can't possibly can't possibly be one of those free economics that everyone who's no. liberal or progressive goes into higher education.
1: Well, there there are a lot of things going on there. The first one is your definition of liberal. And I... Maybe would, we
0: should say progressive, though. Well,
1: no, I would. I think you're right with liberal. Okay. And the reason is that I would caution against um, that American terminology that we inherit from House of Cards of conservative being the Republican uh-huh. and liberal being the Democrat. Right. Where, um, in terms of the ideology and the thing, they're both liberal. They both believe in property rights uh, in, in the terms right. of liberalism. mm mm-hmm. Um I think there is a liberal leaning and I think that you see that in how many people wrote off Jeremy Corbyn as a socialist
0: right.
1: uh, and the number of people who say now um, in, the, uh, in higher education but also in uh, media elites, um, yeah. in what we call the commentariat or the uh, you know people who talk on radio and, and podcasts and um, newspapers and stuff, <laughs> saying... Well, wow, this is shocking that the this tower in Grenfell has come down and Jeremy Corbyn is saying, uh, requisition yeah. uh empty properties to house homeless I mean, what are they gonna do next? Takes my suit, so I'm running down the street naked, uh, yeah, you know, we're we going to have um, uh, Trotskyist, um uh, communist dictatorship here. That that speaks to me of a liberal. A liberal leaning. Right. And um and whether you agree with it or not, um, there's there's also a strong perception of a liberal leaning. Um, I mean, it, it's always a bit of a surprise to students. I think when, um, when I disagree with a lot of liberal yeah. thinking, um, uh, because they kind of presume from the outset, right. That you'd yeah. be a liberal to be an academic. Why is that though? I don't, why do they presume it? Yeah. Why is that maybe? Because I think, I think you get a lot of liberals and it's a, it's a powerful ideology. It has a lot of cloud, um, uh, I didn't find it fully convincing but it it works out um it's it's really around
0: people are much more forthcoming with saying that they're a liberal or they yeah. are a they're a left leaning thinker yeah than they are I think people well, are less forthcoming again in my experiences to say yeah, I think I'm voting Tory or voting yeah. conservative whatever else we
1: We're in a time where um the conservative party uh have been in in power for a long time mm mm-hmm. Um, with a coalition for part of it, but they've been around for a long time. Yeah, but they were, they um, had the range on that,
0: didn't they?
1: Yeah, um, you should—you um, should look through all the different reasons that people would be shy about being conservative. Yeah. But uh, there's another reason there, which is that people just tend to swing back against a government that's been around for a long time. Right. I know that sounds right. really simplistic, but right like politics so. does kind of work that way. Yes. Yeah, so Once you've had somebody around for a long time, a lot of people fancy a change yeah just for the sake of it, but even if it's really the same party because,
0: and not the same leader
1: yeah and I think part of it again, it's gonna sound simplistic, but I think for a lot of people, sometimes me included kind of want to keep politicians on their toes, yeah and um there's one reason that uh that you quite often see American politics split between the presidency uh and Congress. you get one party in control of one party uh, one party in control of one and one of the other mm-hmm. to keep them kind of on their toes. Um, yeah. uh, and mix it up a little bit. Um, I mean, you've got a different political system here. Yeah, for controls sure. parliament controls both.
0: Yeah, that's not. Didn't yeah. they ask Bill Clinton once, would you rather be a president or a prime minister with a mandate? And he was like, definitely a prime minister. <laughs> definitely. You can do whatever you want. Look at Blair. He's just hog wild doing whatever it is he wants. <laughs> so we had a. Um, we talked earlier about the turnout for the election yeah. um, I wanted to float something past you um, something that yeah, I've been researching sure. so would it be possible to first of all ever get any modicum of electoral reform in this country and do you think we need it?
1: yes and yes Oh wow. so there one piece that's of not ele- what I was expecting yeah. one piece of electoral reform that we're likely to see and, I, and we are likely to see it um, because every party in this country uh, backs it um, except the Conservatives in UKIP, but mm-hmm. well, we're not going to have Conservative government in perpetuity, so we will see it. Is the vote at sixteen? Um, right. Okay. Uh, I mean, it if, and it's now looking like a moot point, but it's worthwhile <coughs> to say that European Parliament has backed vote at sixteen, and Brussels really? member states to investigate it. We've seen vote at sixteen working very well in um, in Austria, uh, in parts of Germany. Um, where it's being tried, it turns out very well. I talk about that a lot. i um, uh, very happy to share my experiences of being at European Parliament, being in debates on it, working mm-hmm. with young people who've, who um, have been organising for it. That's a piece of electoral reform I think we'll see before we see something like
0: proportional representation in see, this country. See, I don't ever see that happening. I know that's really blinking. Well, PR. But... Yeah. Any change from first, past, post? Because it's... Based and steeped in this tradition and we love a bit of tradition in these old isles it so, a long
1: time, a lot of work yeah. and um, we already, I mean we had that um, referendum years back on um, on reform where the basically the Conservatives and the Lib Dems it looked to me like it was one of the agreements for the Coalition that there'd be a vote on it yeah. and the Conservative Party pushed through the referendum with a, with a, a type of voting that nobody wanted, which was the alternative vote. Do you remember? Everybody wanted PR. No, I don't yeah. remember people that. People who want, well, I say everybody, people who wanted a referendum on electoral reform said, let's have first past the post versus PR. Proportional representation. Yeah. Okay. And um, the Conservative line was, you can have a referendum, but not on PR. You can have it on alternative vote, which is a system right. nobody wanted. Explain,
0: ex- now, explain both the systems. Uh, just as briefly as you can what is alternative vote that is a good question
1: because uh, Nick Clegg called the alternative vote at the time so it was 2011 mm-hmm. we had the referendum I, I don't even remember this referendum it's way back I was like um, 21 I should have ago. I should have been
0: <laughs> did you vote there we go right the vote <laughs> did you bite the ballot? Um, i did not i neither <laughs> bit nor rocked unfortunately in 2011 what they needed was
1: more celebrity endorsements then because i guess if russell brand had told you to you would have done it right
0: hey man don't, <laughs> yeah um, don't pigeonhole me so nick <laughs> yeah.
1: Mick, like called it a miserable little compromise um av was basically you get your ballot paper mm-hmm. it's got a list of all the different candidates for your constituency right. and then you'd put them uh you'd mark them in order of preference one two three right, four. Yeah, So yeah, you I do have. that in the students union here i think that uh you get your candidates you put one two three four and if um uh the one that comes last that gets the least um the lowest preference of voters mm-hmm. uh, all of those voters get their preference kind of worked up one until eventually you get somebody that some people put second and some yeah. people put third but it's kind of all right uh-huh. and nobody really wanted it frankly no um doesn't sound what they great. wanted was proportional representation where basically what you do is you you'd assess your electorate, and then you say, "Well, if fifty percent of people vote green, mm-hmm.
0: then fifty percent of
1: the um, the parliamentarians from this region mm-hmm. are going to
0: be green." See, now that sounds bang on, but I imagine there's a sting in the tail because nothing's that good. Really? Well, I, <laughs> I mean, doesn't, that, doesn't PR make for like the sting more in the tail likely is that, coalitions? Yeah, you've have coalitions. Done?
1: Yeah, and you end up with you end up with coalition government, which has its Drawbacks. I mean, it, okay, they don't get stuff done, but if all you want to do is get stuff done, I mean, you can get a dictator in or a robot or something like that. I mean, you've got to have yeah. some co- I, I did have some working consensus, you know. Yeah. And, and people are different. You've got to work together to get over things. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, I mean, there are a lot of places you get uh, proportional representation and it works just fine. Um, and also, it's not like first past the post doesn't leave us in situations where we get coalitions or... No government, you know, which is the thing that people say about first past the post.
0: Now, firstly, just explain to me first past first past the post. So you
1: let's say you've got your town,
0: Uh right? Okay.
1: Uh, Let's say you got. I see it. There's a Jordan's fruit and nut over there. You get Jordansville, right? Okay. Jordansville is your constituency, and you've got a candidate running there. Um, If they get more votes than any other candidate, Mm -hmm. they're the MP. Right, it doesn't okay. matter how many people voted for other candidates.
0: And that's the post. Yeah, right. that's right. That makes more sense. So
1: basically, if you're the MP for Jordansville or mm-hmm. running for MP, and I'm running for MP, uh, and you get 200 votes mm-hmm. and I get 199, right? you're the MP. And it doesn't matter the 199 votes I they got. Didn't they didn't yeah. And uh, let's throw in a third candidate, right? So you get 200 votes, I get 199, and somebody else gets 198. Mm-hmm. That's almost 400 people that didn't vote for you, but you still win because you got
0: 200. The yeah. system works. The system how works it for me, yeah. That's how it goes. Right, okay, yeah, that does sound really bananas and backwards.
1: Well, it is isn't. it isn't. I mean, it, there are different ways of doing it. I suppose there are strengths. Personally, I don't, I don't think it's, it really reflects the level of of interest um yeah. that people have in in transparency and system in in transparency. i like proportional representation
0: for the win. that's the word from yeah. the top there's you like a lot.
1: that's well that's what i like a lot because at the end of the day we have a different way of doing politics these days yeah we've got a whole different way for living
0: it's not know? a two-party system
1: no well my you look back at my um family uh so much of my family, so many people, were in the military mm-hmm. or were doing uh, manual labor jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I used to work in a factory, uh, but that doesn't decide your politics so much anymore. I no. don't vote like my parents do. No, uh, I don't vote like my uh, workmates do or my, my colleagues do, and I don't have a career that I mean, I would quite like a career that had a had a permanent job, but I don't have a permanent job. I'm in my in my thirties and I yeah. still don't have a permanent job. A lot of people are in that situation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So that. That difference in the way that we 're socialized to political parties makes people shift and mm-hmm. and move and change they've got more complex views. people are more um, informed they 're better informed yeah um, uh, they know more uh, I mean everybody's always had expertise in their everyday life, but they 're kind of more in tune with that expertise in mm-hmm. what 's going on. They care about the world around them they they don 't feel as deferential uh, to politicians anymore and so um one of the problems with proportional representation is. In our example with the three, Mm -hmm. you got 200 votes and um, we got, between us, uh, 398, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, 397. Uh, uh, Those 397 people aren't going to doff the cap and say, well, you got 200, so hooray. They're going to say, you know what, we want real transparency and accountability over this process and we want something to change so that our views and opinions are, are held up in government.
0: And that shouldn't be that big a request no more transparent i've always mm. wondered why elections like there's all this rigmarole of going to the polling station and having mm. to put and it's you know I, I live opposite my polling station so i'm yeah. quite lucky but i can imagine there are people who aren't as lucky as that and i have always wondered why you can't just vote on your phone or yeah. you know the way you vote for anything else i know it's the x factor but it's yeah. the same system i guess we can see <laughs> why it both isn't...
1: ways i mean i i see the benefit in in voting electronically but at the same time, I mean, come on, seriously, you've got to get out of the house eventually, man. And and the world is an important place. And if it just means going down to a local youth centre or cricket pavilion or mm-hmm. whatever, I mean... Uh, Come on, yeah, but now. you're talking you to me. You have to get out. Yeah, but you're,
0: you're talking to me as uh, like a 26 year old who sort of does get out and leaves the house and has interest and has that sort of awareness that you were just talking about. Yeah. If you lower the age to 16, not all 16 year olds have that wherewithal of going out and appreciating the day of. I think they do. You yeah, they do.
1: do. And I'm working with young people as young as 12, uh, hearing about their experiences of of the economy, of the housing market, of institutional racism. Um, uh, you, uh, they, it's not. shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that you face the same problems when you're young uh, but and is a cause it is a surprise because we don't hear
0: this we've got to do
1: better at, 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 at not just raising those voices but giving young people power right. the thing that the, the biggest the two biggest things about the vote at 16 for me here we go that hold me back here's the pitch because in my, in my heart my heart says yes mm-hmm. fantastic because there's no reason that we should deny them the vote
0: Mm -hmm. really well what I guess I suppose if you can vote at 18 yeah do you have the same life experiences at 16 but then I suppose do you have the
1: same life experiences at 60 you know you don't ask people to to do a driving license style for a vote um, for good reason because nobody should be able to decide, well, that person can have a vote, and that person can. not Well, what's we stopping you, then?
0: Lower the age to 12? There are two... Lower the age you to 10. The uh, Do you see what I'm saying? I,
1: I will respond to that in just a second. <laughs> don't, don't derail me. Um, oh, you can derail me, but I I'll come back dare. to it. I not I'm pointing over here. It is yeah, so a, hot. It's a week. big
0: point and sweating out. Uh,
1: the, the two problems are, first of all, I think the campaign for votes at 16 largely... Is very ill-informed, and I've worked with activists on the vote at sixteen. And my first question is, why vote? Nobody's ever thought about it. They really never do. They say why voting's vote at all, Or why just yeah? Vote. Why vote? Why isn't abstention a good decision? Why wouldn't you turn up at the ballot box or not? Mm-hmm. Because uh, because you don't fancy the politicians, you think their policies are awful. Why isn't it the right decision not to vote? Maybe that is the right decision. In some circumstances, it it surely is. Well, I'm, there, I'm a big advocate of
0: none of the above. The yeah, I think I think voting, like in Australia, should be compulsory. Yeah. Uh, mandatory. Yeah. You ha- you have to do it. Um, and I think that the introduction of a you know none of the above mm-hmm. sort of Brewster's Millions type thing, mm-hmm. um, an introduction of that, show my age a little bit there, um, an introduction is, of that would. Yeah. Surely that would countenance that.
1: The point of it is that um, voting and democracy is not about having a voice. It's about having power. About having power over what goes on, how society is organised. That's why we have a government. That is very interesting. I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, it would be lovely to have an anarchist um, friendly commune where we just take turns. We've got a syndicalist cooperative going on. But but we've got got a government, right? We've We've got a government. And the government is done by representatives. Mm-hmm. We vote somebody in to represent us. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what we've got. They need to represent, you know? They've got to yeah. have policies that put your vote into power because the voice isn't isn't enough. Yeah. And people who propose the vote at 16 need to talk about that, even if it's only to push party politicians to step up, right? Yeah. And to make those votes powerful and stop saying, we'll vote for anybody
0: Longly and the other, others,
1: the other side of it is, if that doesn't happen, and if we um, decrease the voting age to 16, so we stop excluding 16 and 17 year olds, before we have reformed the political system, which clearly disappoints so many people, Apparently. aren't we just going to disappoint them two years earlier? That's my biggest problem with it, because it is hard to see that change. At this general election, at least we've got a manifesto that seems to speak to young people. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't have them in government. So I wonder how many young people voted and now think, well, it's at the end of it. You know? yeah. Labour's got a big issue there, how they continue that. To show that that wasn't just an empty voice, but that had power.
0: Because they don't, they don't really have a timeline on how long they're going to have to keep this simmering. You know, we could yeah. have a, Jeremy Corbyn seems to think we're going to have another general election within the year, mm-hmm. which would be nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could, they could sit on this for okay. five years. They could somehow work out a way to work with the DUP, the I Conservatives. Have no, no,
1: no idea what will happen. It's crazy. The thing you said was, why not decrease the voting age to 12? You know, um, have you ever heard of participatory budgeting?
0: Uh, imagine that I hadn't, and then explain it to me. <laughs> so, um, so you have? Uh, No. Okay.
1: Um,
0: You can tell he studies politicians, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I didn't last a (laughs) second there.
1: It makes me really happy to talk about things like this uh, to general public mm-hmm. because i am general public and before i studied i didn't know what it was we yeah. should talk more about things like this frankly for sure and we should probably give it a better title i mean the we've all established that, that i right?
0: don't know what first well, class the post is so we're well, we just i'm batting two throw well, at the minute
1: well i got something to say there about citizenship education because in the uk you don't really teach oh, people citizenship to know about that, education right? you talk about you talk about values you talk about being a good person and cleaning up your local park, but you don't talk so much about how elections work and how votes go through. Yeah, and Which for an American is really confusing, because yeah. in the States, they we get that from... I mean, we got that from
0: seventh grade. We get nothing. We don't even get taught how to write a cheque. In woodwork class, we get taught how to make a bird box, <laughs> not how to hang a door. In cookery class, I got taught how to make garlic bread, but not like six pasta dishes that would mean I wouldn't die.
1: Well, I mean, Citizenship yeah. in
0: this country is...
1: In sex ed, you get taught not to get pregnant, but you don't get taught anything about how raising a child works. Yeah. You get taught it like it's a, like it's a disease when actually, I mean, you're, you're going to end up with a kid. You don't get a license for that either, or an instruction manual. <laughs> um, but then, okay, so uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, take in New York City, for example. Yeah. In some districts, and it's not perfect. There are mm-hmm. problems with it. Um, in some districts, they have a portion of the budget that goes out to a community gathering. Right. So let's say you did it in Bath.
0: Mm-hmm. You have,
1: say, a portion of the budget for Walcott mm-hmm. that was voted on by citizens of Walcott. They mm-hmm. came up with proposals which were then voted on by the people of Walcott. Right. And then that, whatever, £300,000,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, they particip- it's a PB, participatory budget, mm-hmm. they decide where that budget goes.
0: That sounds pretty
1: good. It does, doesn't it? But? Um, it's got. I mean, it's got some drawbacks. Sometimes what you get is people in charge of it who are elected... Politicians or powerful local people who say it's a great proposal, but it's kind of not going to be feasible. So maybe we'll stick to the one that we would have already uh-huh, done. Uh-huh. You know, it happens sometimes. But if you're clever about it, you can make it work. In some, this is where I'm getting. In some districts of New York, the voting age has gone down to 12. They've gradually decreased it no, to 12. Uh, in these
0: um, participatory, yeah. the reason budget. is that,
1: that the the participation, uh, the suggestions, the policy um, uh, suggestions of young people. Uh, their votes and their input has been so constructive Mm -hmm. that it just makes perfect sense.
0: Well, that brings me nicely into another thing, another crazy hypothetical I want to throw at you. (laughs) It seems to me um, that a lot of the world seems to be playing follow the leader, Mm -hmm. but there isn't really a leader. It, It strikes me as if a system like that can work, we don't really need one person at the top of the tree ultimately having final say. Yeah. So, let's take for red in this mad hypothetical that, you know, shouldn't you have, like, a council of, not elders, but, like, white, like, your Elon Musks and (laughs) your, you know, your forward thinkers um, in a variety of fields actually in control? No. Would that not work better? No. No?
1: What a dictatorship of the elite. You get, like, economists to do the economy
0: and... But it sounds on paper like an economist... Should be the best person to deal with the economy. Someone yeah, like Elon Musk should be the best person that you put in charge of clean energy. Because
1: he's got masses of money and. No, he because knows he's got about- it,
0: because he's an innovative character. He's, he's, I'm not saying put Richard Branson in charge of everything, you know, people yeah. who are industrialists of our age and make yeah. loads of money by having loads of fingers in different pies. Yeah. What I'm saying is, if anything, Give the person that seems to be best suited for that job. I've never understood cabinet reshuffles. Okay, so you were in charge of education last week, but now you're in charge of health. On the other hand, yeah.
1: why wouldn't you take some uh, group like the House of Lords? I mean, we still have bishops in the House of Lords. We've got more clerics in our yeah, uh, government than, than uh, many theocracies, right? Um, that uh, you haven't unelected body there or a portion a lot of it is unelected mm-hmm. is it all unelected actually yeah um i go it's getting hot in here i can't think <laughs> um why wouldn't you have do it like jury duty i mean there'd be drawbacks to it but there'd be strengths too. to what sit in the house of
0: lords or you just select people power. to go in
1: there yeah or a portion of the house of lords that really is peers you know, not aristocrats or people mm-hmm. who've been named to the House of Lords because they followed the party whip for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, not naming any names, but you, you and I both know how that works sometimes. But uh-huh. uh, why wouldn't you actually have peers? Why wouldn't you have people like you? Because you know what goes on in Bath. Yeah. Don't you? And you know what I it's guess. like to be you. For sure. Uh, you could, in one fell swoop, have it 50 50 gender balance, you'd do away with the inequality that we've got mm-hmm. that excludes women, even though they're the majority of our population For sure. um, you could, in one fell swoop uh, have it equally uh, across race mm-hmm. uh, and do away with the um, exceptional power that white people have uh, in political systems um, you're not just by by any saying, downsides, I mean yeah, I mean there so are some my downsides. council of elders I mean, is the way well, to it go it'd be the opposite of a council of elders because you'd be presuming that your expertise in your everyday life could carry forward into working legislation, but the way that the British system goes, I think it it has to be considered as a possibility I'm not saying it's the best um, and I know that's kind of what we've
0: got already with a coalition you
1: what's know, that?
0: well we have a we have a sort of smorgasbord of people put into power, and it sure you yeah. know it sort of does its best to work you know when yeah. in the two occasions and my living memory that we've had coalition government Mm. it seems to work and it seems to be a good way of getting more so why not take it to its logical conclusions sort of say well we need someone to deal Mm. with the energy crisis let's get someone who's really clever has a load of infrastructure to actually change it and a load of good ideas Mm. put him in charge for a bit not forever you know we'd write something in Yeah. soon as we're devising our new world government, it starts here. Well, if
1: I was going to devise a new world government, I wouldn't go to the world, I would go local. Yeah. Because I don't see any reason why um, uh, you shouldn't be talking to cities about cities, Mm -hmm. why you have to have London talking about it. And I wouldn't want Elon Musk telling me what to do with my life. Just an example, you know, we could get anyone to talk about,
0: about about, you know, you can get any famous Bathonian to talk about Bath, I guess, in this system. Elon Musk was like just an example. Cause Maybe
1: I'm just not very respectful of people who are famous. <laughs> I went to visit when I was a student. I went to visit an MP who, on this public outlet, will remain unnamed, uh-huh. uh, who said, um, "In my day, if you went to visit uh, an MP, you'd wear a tie."
0: That is opening gambit.
1: Yeah. No. Well, no. That was the that was the end after the microphone was off, and I thought, you know, the different way of doing politics there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: there are strengths and weaknesses to both mm-hmm. that sort of deference and respect I can see where where they're coming from, but it's not my way no it's was not he my way an,
0: was he uh, an older MP I couldn't possibly comment um
1: because um because I don't say it to knock him down uh, yeah. I don't say it to uh, i mean assuming it's a he um i I don't say it because it's bad. I say it as a reflection of different ways of doing politics. And I think that you have to take a look around you and say, we've got a share in it. Mm-hmm. It's not about finding somebody who wears a tie. It's not about finding somebody who it says on a piece of paper should be respectable. Yeah. It's about looking at how life goes and working together to find a way to do it. And there's no reason that Elon Musk should be any more respected to do that than you, in my opinion.
0: What a great place to end the podcast. think so? Yeah, I do. I think that's a a nice, hopeful sort of ramp to take people out. Rock and roll. Rock and roll, man. Ben, thank you so much for coming in. That's right. Anytime. Yeah, this has been The Big Think. Like, listen, share and subscribe. We'll be bringing you more shortly.